on February the 90th. Um, I don't know if the man. It's, I, don't, I don't know if spring's ever coming, but uh, I was griping a lot about um, the weather. And then, of course, you know, you read the Bible and it says, "This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it." So I'm trying to do that. Uh, but we are going to we're going to go ahead and try to see what God might have to, to share with us today. So we're going to be looking in Judges chapter 16. Verse number 15, so if you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, feel free to do that. While you're turning there, uh, there is no doubt that probably the most, I would say, the, the most feared fighter of the 1990s was a guy named Mike Tyson. And if you remember when he first came out onto the scene, he was one scary dude. Uh, the first 19 fights he won were by knockout. And he, and he also, to top it off, he had a great nickname. Y'all remember it? Iron Mike. I mean, that is great. I wish I had a nickname like that. Uh, my nickname growing up, and it's, it's uh, my family still calls me that uh, by my nickname. My nickname's Elmo. Now, not exactly what you call intimidating. You know, it's not like Iron Elmo. I haven't figured out how that one's going to work out for us. But this guy was scary. In his uh, 50 victories, 44 of them were won by knockout. And so he was an intimidating fighter, but as time went on, he ended up, he kind of turned into a shell of himself. And he lost to Buster Douglas, if you remember. And then, uh, and then it sort of manifested itself when he fought Evander Holyfield. I think it was like the second time he fought him. Apparently, during the round, he got a little hungry and uh, took a bite out of his ear. And so it's just sort of strange. And he just sort of, you know, petered out after that. And then he became a caricature of himself. He was known as the guy who bit somebody's ear off. Uh, known as a guy who got a weird tattoo on his face and then he went to prison and all these different things happened. And so he was a guy who, who started out with incredible fame, incredible fortune, and he went from fame to shame in a fairly quick amount of time. Now that doesn't just happen in, in athletics, that happens in all walks of life. And I'm sure that there are some of you who know business people who were very successful, but, but then some decisions they made as they went along, they tried to take some shortcuts, and they ended up getting in trouble. And there's some of us, and we look at people of the greatest families, you know, great marriages, and then something comes along, and, and we become greedy, and we want more, and we're willing to sacrifice family. And we, we end up in a place where we have relationships that are destroyed and broken. Well, today we're continuing our series, Breaking Bad, and what we're going to do is we're just going to examine how there is a very, you know, slippery slope that moves us from, you know, from fame, from doing well, to shame. And the guy we're going to be examining today in Judges chapter 16 and verse number 15 is about a guy named Samson. Now, if you're a kid and you've grown up in the church and you've heard stories, one of our favorite Bible stories is the story of Samson. And Samson's a really intriguing guy. And to be honest with you, when I reread the story about Samson, I mean, there's some really neat stuff in there about this guy. He's unusual. But there's also some stuff in here where I begin to think, why did I ever like Samson? I mean, to be honest with you, Samson is, in a lot of ways, he's a dirtbag. I mean, he's like a jerk of a guy. And he goes, from, he goes from fame in his life to shame rather quickly. Now, what we'll see in the book of Judges, which is where we are, so if you're wondering where that is, go to the very front of your Bible and turn right a little bit. It's near the front. The book of Judges is all about the people of Israel 
and they just sort of, you know, they sort of meander in and out in faithfulness to God, uh, much like, you know, us. And so what happens is they, they're disobedient to God, they don't pay attention to Him, and they, they, they slip further and further into sin, and they get in trouble. And so what do they do? They do what we all do. They start praying. You know, and they begin to call out to God, God, help us, we're in trouble. God, we need you. And God, in His grace, responds, and, and He would send different people to serve as deliverers for the people of Israel. And so then the people, they'd be delivered, then, you know, a little bit of time would pass, and what would happen? They began to slip away from God again, and they get in trouble again, and they, they call out to God, God, we're in trouble again, help us. We'll never do this again. And so God, in His grace, sends another person to come and help get them out of this situation, and it just goes on and on. Well, Samson is one of the guys that God sent in order to help bring deliverance to the Hebrew people when they got into trouble. And the way God used Samson was unique. Uh, God sent some angel, sent an angel to talk to Samson's parents, and they hadn't had him yet. And the angel said, your son's going to be unique. He's going to be incredibly strong. But don't cut his hair. Let his hair grow as a sign. It's a, it's a Nazarite vow. It's a sign that he belongs to you. And so the parents didn't cut his hair. So I, I don't know what he looked like. I guess he had long hair. And so he has this long hair, and he turns out to be this incredible warrior. A strong guy. Now, the bad side about Samson, though, is he also had a penchant for uh, women. You know, so, I mean, really strong, really blessed by God, and yet he just made a whole lot of stupid mistakes. And there came a time when he went in his life from this incredible fame to absolute shame. And you'll see as you read about Samson, he played with and he flirted with sin, doing things that God told him not to do, and eventually, man, that stuff catches up with you. Eventually, sin will mark your life. And I really believe this. I, I believe there are a lot of us who can identify with Samson. Now, not in strength, but a lot of us identify with Samson in that we do real good in playing and messing with things that God says don't touch or be a part of. And we just sort of play and dabble in sin and then as time goes on what ends up happening to so many of us is we end up like Samson. We end up getting marked in our lives by sin and it moves us down a path from fame to shame. Now what I want us to do is like for the next, let's see, about the next 20 minutes I just want us to look at Samson's life and see what happens when we mess with sin. And so hopefully it's going to be an encouragement for you and for me not to mess with this stuff. And so, so what happens when we mess with, mess with sin? very first thing that we see in our text today is it wears you down. When you play with things God says don't play with, eventually it's going to beat you down in your life. Um, look with me at chapter 16, verse 15. And there's a, there's a woman in this story. When you think of Samson, who is the woman you typically think of? Delilah. All right, this is Delilah, and here's what she says to Samson. She says, how can you say, I love you, she told him, when your heart is not with me? This is the third time you've mocked me and told me, and not told me, what makes your strength so great. And I like this. Because she nagged him day after day and pled with him until she wore him out. Anybody been there before? I have not, by the way. Uh, it says, he told her the whole truth and said to her, my hair has never been cut. 
because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I'm shaved, my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. At this point, Samson is a guy who had reached incredible... Uh, and he, he, was a, he was an incredible guy that people knew about. And if you read about him in the preceding chapters about Samson, the stuff he did is incredible. This is why kids like it. This is why I like it. I got my kid. Love reading about Samson. Some of the stuff he did. He killed a lion with his bare hands. That's, that's cool. You know, he, uh, he found honey and he was a riddle. He's got, he came up with all these different riddles. Uh, so he's sort of a, you know, he's a guy that was able to do some rhymes. You know, he's strong. He, he got the jawbone of a donkey. Y'all remember this one? And he just beat the thunder out of the Philistines with it. I mean, this is a tough guy. He carried out the city gates on his back. So every time you read about him, he is a comic book hero, right? I mean, you read the Bible, and you're like, if you're looking for comics, this guy is the guy to read about. And so all these different incredible things that he did. And it didn't matter how he was living. It seemed like he always came out on top. You know, he would oftentimes find himself in a bind. He was uh, tied up one time. He got in trouble with the Philistines. He's tied up. What does he do? He just snaps the ropes off. So I believe what happened in Samson's, Samson's life is he recognized that, that God had blessed him, but he knew that every time in his life, he, everything always came up smelling like roses for this guy. He's like, you know what, I, I can do whatever I want. I can live however I please because everything always works out for me in my life. And so what happens? He starts playing with stuff he should have never been playing with in the first place. In verse number four, it says he began to hang out with this woman named Delilah. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Delilah was not a good lady. As a matter of fact, she was a Philistine. Uh, for the Jewish people, this was a no-no. Uh, God told them they were to be separate from everybody else. She's a woman of another faith. She's a pagan, doesn't worship their God. And God is very politically incorrect. God says if, the, if there's somebody who doesn't worship the God that you worship, you don't go out with them. You know, that is sort of paraphrased version. By the way, did you know that is still true for Christians today? We've been called to separate ourselves from the world. I'm not saying that we hide in a, in a hole from the world. I'm just saying, like, when you're getting ready to get married, you know what the Bible says about it? It says you're to marry only other believers. God's very adamant about this. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between unrighteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? That is not a politically correct statement. So the question is, why would God make a command like that? I mean, what's so bad about being open-minded and being cosmopolitan? Well, the thing is, we're, we're not to be making decisions. If you're a believer, you're not to be making decisions based off what you feel and what you want. Your job and my job is to be obedient to the leadership of God, to what God calls for us to do. And this is where we have to trust that God is wise. This is where we have to trust that God knows what he's talking about. But if we look at Samson's life, we see that he gets to a point where he begins to make decisions about what he wants to do regardless of what God says. And so what does Samson do? Well, he starts hanging out with Delilah. That was a winning situation. I mean, you read about it. How well did this relationship work out? Not good. Just read the rest of the story. 
The Philistines hated Samson. They were tired of getting, getting beat up by him. And so they start talking to Delilah. They say, hey, whenever you find out the source of his strength, tell us so that we can bind him up, so that we can get rid of this guy. And so Delilah becomes like a secret agent working for the Philistines. And if you look in verse 15, if you have your Bible, go ahead and look in verse 15. She starts off by saying what? How many times did she ask Samson where his strength was from? Three. Three times. She's like, if you really love me, you would have told me by now. Three times I've asked you and three times you've lied to me. Now, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, does that seem fishy to y'all? Why is she asking him where his strength came from? Man, she, Samson is so eat up with Delilah that he doesn't get that she's trying to destroy him. And this is just a reminder to me. She kept asking and asking and asking where the source of his strength was from. Now, what were her motives? Was it just so that she could know him better? She wanted to destroy this guy. And that is, Delilah is a picture of sin. Sin is persistent. Have, y'all, have you ever noticed that in your life? The things you struggle with? Have you noticed how they, they keep coming back to you? You know, you say, I don't know, I just keep struggling with the same stuff over and over again. That's what sin does. Sin knows where, the, the devil knows where we're, where we're weak. And he just continues to, to persistently put junk before us until we either cut it off or until we give in to it. She nagged Samson so many times over and over again. The Bible says he was worn out. And he's like, basically, I am so tired of hearing you talking. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what the source of my strength is. And he goes ahead and he tells her. And man, that was the beginning of the end for Samson. Now, how could he have avoided this? By being obedient to God in the first place. He should have never been hanging out with this lady in the first place. Guys, if there's some stuff in your life and in my life that is very tempting to us, how do we avoid falling into the temptation that many of us have? You know, for some some people I know, some some of you have have really struggled with alcohol. How do we we avoid that temptation? Uh, Let me tell you a, a, a really easy one. You don't go to a bar, right? Uh, don't, don't go places where you know that that's going to be put before you. I mean, it just makes common sense. Uh, if you struggle with lust, now, let me tell you something. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know that if you're married, that you're going to be alone, or even if you're not married, where you're going to be tempted. Uh, whenever you go to a hotel room, tell the front desk, don't pipe that junk into my room. Guys, if, if we're going to honor God, then we have to cut off sin or we're going to get in trouble. We are to run away from it. We are to stay away from it, otherwise it'll destroy us. And I think what happens to us is many times, like Samson, we're blessed. We're blessed people. And yet it just seems like sometimes we just are involved in things, but we don't get burned too bad. I'm going to be okay. That's where Samson is at this point. He's had victory after victory in his life. Temptation after temptation comes his way, and he begins to dabble in sin. And he thinks, I can get out of this stuff. I'm going to be okay. But we're going to read on, and we're going to find out he got absolutely blistered by it. Because I don't care how strong you think you are. Guys, sin, when it takes root in your life, it will control and dominate you. So you don't want to fly too close to the flame or you're going to get in trouble. 
Uh, I'm sure during World War I you've heard of the, the pilot, the Red Baron. Now you might not really know who he is. He flew a red plane. Uh, had more kills in World War I than anybody else. Shot down 80 Allied pilots. But he did not survive himself. As the, uh, as the end of World War I was coming to a conclusion, he saw a Canadian uh, uh, fighter pilot and he got on, on, got on his tail and he began to follow him. And he was so good, he really got, got to a point where he just thought he was invincible. He followed him behind enemy lines. And what happened is he flew so far, so deep in enemy lines, he couldn't get out. They just simply had fighters coming behind him. They ended up shooting him down and killed him. And one reporter had this to say. They said that he made the mistake of pursuing that Allied plane too long, too far, and too low into enemy territory. And I saw that and I thought, man, that's what a lot of us as Christians do. We get so caught up in how God's blessed us and how he's delivered us that that we start dabbling and piddling with sin. And before long, we have flown too long, too far, and too low into enemy territory, and we get shot down. Now look at our text. Hey, what happens when you mess with sin? It wears you down. It literally says, Samson got wore down. But it also enslaves us. Sin will enslave us. Man, I know this. I mean, I know it for a fact, personally. Sin, sin will enslave you. Look at the in verse number 18. It says, when Delilah realized that he told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders, come one more time, for he's told me the whole truth. And the Philistine leaders came to her and brought the money with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids on his head. In this way, she rendered him helpless. And his strength left him. And then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. And when he awoke from his sleep, he said, I'll escape as I did before and shake myself free. And here's the key. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he was forced to grind grain in the prison. When we play with sin, eventually it will enslave us. Reminds me of James 1, 14 and 15. It says, each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desires conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Man, Samson finally gave in to sin. Delilah asked him about his strength. She nags him. He tells her. What does she do with the information? She tells the Philistines. Why did she tell the Philistines? They bribed her. They told her earlier, they said, listen, if you will tell us, we will give you, it's five guys, and we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver apiece. I was like, I wonder how much that is. How much is 1,100 pieces of silver apiece? Uh, I looked it up, it's, about, it's worth about fifty dollars to $100,000 in today's currency. She sold him out. You know, sin, sin is tempting. It's tempting to the eyes. Now, for Delilah, it was tempting monetarily. It was tempting to the eyes for Samson. Delilah is a picture of sin. Apparently, she was a good-looking lady. And whenever, whenever Samson saw her, he thought, man, if I can have her, life's going to be good. If I can have her, I know that I'm not supposed to have anybody that's outside of our faith, but if I can have her, my life is going to be fulfilled. Is that the way it worked out? She didn't care a thing about Samson. The only thing she wanted to see was him end up in chains. Now, what was the symbol of his strength? It's his hair. 
What did she do to his hair? She cut it off. The Bible says she rendered him useless. Guys, that is what sin does. Sin will render you and me useless. You see, he thought he would find joy in Delilah. He did. It was temporary. He found joy in her. But eventually, he ended up in chains. You know, there's some things that we think that we'll find joy in. You know, we think if, if a person has wronged me, if I blow my stack at them, if I, if I get my revenge on them, I'll be satisfied. And you know what? And, and, and you, you probably have done that before. Some of you might have done that before. And there's a, there's, a, there's a sense of satisfaction when we do it. I finally got to share with them a piece of my mind and what I'm really thinking. And you feel good about it. The only problem is that, that when you blow your stack like that, man, you destroy that relationship. Uh, there are times whenever you give in to sin that it can bring relief. I mean, we wouldn't mess with sin if it wasn't fun, right? Yeah, I mean, why, why do you think that we, we like to eat things that are bad for us? Have you ever noticed that? Things that are bad for us, they taste really good. The things that are good for us, they're not really all that exciting. And so we mess with stuff that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that's not that good for us, but it's fun. Sin is fun for a while. It's fun for a season. It can bring relief in your life. Samson, she nags him all the time, so he finally tells her, all right, I'm giving in. This is where my strength is. You know what Samson does right after he tells her this? He falls asleep. Sin can bring relief, but again, it's temporary. When he wakes up, it's not like he yawns and goes, man, I feel great. He wakes up, and he's in chains. He's bound up. Sin binds us up. It destroys us. I, I read about a plant called the sundew plant. And it's, I, you know, it's, got, a, it's got these it's obviously little plants. It's got green leaves on it, but it has these little glistening, it looks like water on the plant, and that attracts bugs to it. Well, there's nothing wrong with those little... Uh, little dew drops on it except for when the bug gets in it uh, to, to I guess to enjoy I guess the snack food quality of it I mean it hops on it it's sticky and the bug gets stuck on that plant and it begins to writhe and try to try to get away from the plant and as it's shaking it causes the, the leaf and the plant to contract and that plant devours the bug and I thought, man, that is a good picture of what sin does. You know, it, it attracts us to it. And sometimes it looks like it's innocuous. Like it's, not that, it's not that big of a deal. And we get on it for long. We are all wrapped up in it, and we can't get out. We begin to try to get out in our own power. And what happens is sin just closes around us, and it enslaves us, and just absolutely eats us up. Now, what's the lesson of the story of Samson? Don't ever think you're too big, that you're too strong, that you're too smart to not be captured by sin. Because when you open the door to sin, the key is God will leave. Verse number 20, one of the saddest verses in this whole text. Samson did not realize that God had left him. Verse 21, God leaves him, what happens to him? Philistines, they bind him up. They gouge out his eyes, and he ends up grinding grain. Sin blinds us. It blinds us to the truth. Do you know people, and if you do, don't look at somebody and go, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at you. Do, you. do you know people who get caught up in a bunch of stuff, and you're looking at them going, what in the world are they thinking? Don't they realize 
That relationship is destructive. Why are they wasting their time with that person? Why are they practicing in business with that guy? Here's the deal. Sin blinds us and it causes us to do stupid things and make bad decisions. That's why God says, walk in my path. Because my path is light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said about himself in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does sin do to us? I don't know. Look at Samson. It will wear you down. What does sin do to us? Well, it will enslave you. Not good news. I want to leave on a positive note, though. Sin can be overcome. And some of you might be bound up. You feel, like say, uh, you feel like Samson, not Satan. You feel like Samson, and you feel bound up. Here's the good news. You can still have freedom. Now, how do I know this? I want to read you verse number 22 and then 28 through 30, and we'll close with this. Here's Samson. Okay, he's grinding grain. His eyes are gouged out. He's in shackles. It says, but his hair began to grow back after it had been shaved. And verse 28, he called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, God. Just one more time. With one act of vengeance, let me put, pay back the Philistine for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars, supporting the temple and leaned against them, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the leaders and all the people in it. And the dead he killed at his death were more than those he had killed in his life. Okay, my favorite verse in all the stories of Samson is verse 22. When you look in verse 22, just as a reminder, what was the symbol of Sam, uh, Samson's strength? His hair. They cut it off. God departs from him. Verse 22. Samson's hair began to grow again. I love that verse. You know why? It is a picture of God beginning the process of restoring Samson. Samson made a lot of boneheaded mistakes, but as he was humbled, God began to remind Samson, I can restore you. And Samson in his humility calls out to God and said, God, strengthen me one more time. One more time. You know what God did? He strengthened him one more time. And Samson had faith that God would do that. So how do you know he had faith? Because of what he did next. I mean, he's a blind guy. He's in chains. And he puts his hand, his left hand, on the pillar, his right hand on the other pillar, and he begins to push. Because he believes that God has restored his strength. And God did. Now, did it cost him? You better believe it. You cannot mess with sin and not face consequences. It cost Samson his life, but God did restore him. And there could be some of you here today, and you, you look and you say, you know what, man, I, I just feel like I'm too far gone. Or you might say, I don't know how to begin the process of restoration. I would like God to restore me one more time. How does it happen? And the process begins, it's 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
You know, my challenge for you as we close is think of some things where you're not honoring, or areas where you're not honoring God in your life. And then confess those things. And turn away from them and say, God, restore me. You could be like Sansa. It could be like you're involved in relationships that are absolutely unholy. Confess that to God. Say, God, I'm, I, I want to get out of that because, God, I want to honor you. God, restore me. It could be some of you are not just involved in relationships, but it could be that, that you are in, involved in, in habits that you know are destructive. Confess those to God. Say, God, give me victory over those things. And then have faith that God will do just as he says he can do, that he can restore you. You know, I think for some of us, we need to begin to put our hands on the pillars and begin to push. Say, God, I believe that you will restore me. God, I believe that you will grant me your power once again. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19 says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, he says, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they'll be like wool. And if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. You have infidelity in your past? God can heal that. You harboring anger in your life? I want you to know that God can, God can heal that. You're going after things in your life where you say, you know what, my priorities are way out of order. God can reestablish your priorities. It just simply comes down to you trusting Him, confessing to Him, and saying, God, I will follow you. Now, here's the deal. Sin is devastating. Sin's devastating. It'll destroy us. The good news is God's big. And God has the ability to heal you, and to heal me, and to give me a new start in life. I really think there's, there's a lot of us, we just need a new start. We just need to be cleaned up. God can do it. You might say, well, nobody else is going to believe it. Who cares? Who cares what other people think? It's who is God? And what can God do in your life?